It is Monday, December 16th, and coming up, LeBron takes a shot at Kawhi and the Clippers. And speaking of California, what's up with the Red Hot Chili Peppers? All that and more, this is the tune-up. Good morning. Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I am joined by the snare campaign provocateur, Mr. The only backtracking I do is when I step into the studio. It's Mr. Benny Horowitz. What's up, man? <laughs> What's a backtrack in the studio? You know, you know, like backtracking? Like a backbeat? Oh, backtracking. Backtracking, yeah. I could yeah. see a practical application for episode that, Episode 7, and we're starting to stretch <laughs> these out. Uh, imagine when we get to episode 20. I'm going, oh, man, it's going to be oh, like... it's going to be great. It's going to be Benny and the Jets. No, I'm, I'm going to save that for the 100. My, my first instinct when I hear backtrack is it was a beautiful Kurt Russell film about firemen. Oh, from <laughs> Backdraft, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good one. My dad loved that shit, man. All right, Benny, because we can't go from cold takes to hot takes, each and every week we warm up with our don't fuck this up person or thing of the week. Look at us. Look at us. Huh? Who would have thought? Not me. And the last thing I said to him, I said, look, man, don't fuck this up for me. Benny, who do you got? Well, it's with a heavy heart that I put the person I'm going to put here with the new king of New York, Garrett Cole. Okay. Coming in on a, a hot contract, $320 plus million over nine years. He was a baby Yankees fan. There's pictures to prove it. Everything's lining up. The stars are aligned. But the thing that's happening now is this was a 103 win team adding arguably the best or a top five pitcher in baseball, which means the expectation in New York is now a World Series visit or win, I'd say three of the next five seasons where this contract is a disappointment. That is the standard that's on New York now. So, Garrett Cole, don't fuck this up for me. It's been a decade. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Benny, my don't fuck this up person of the week is Deion Waiters. And what has appeared to be a long history of fucking up this season. My guy Ethan Skolnick of Five Reasons Sports Network down in Miami does a great job with the Heat, does a really good job with everything Miami sports, is reporting that the reason Waiters' most recent suspension is inspired by an Instagram post of Waiters hanging out on a boat on a day that he told the Heat that, eh, I can't come in, I'm sick. It's always the boat. It's always the boat. <laughs> it got first Bueller, now it got Dion Waiters. And, you know, I'd like to apply to be Waiters' social media manager. Because even if you do play hooky and get the best picture ever, this is such a later grab. Like, you post this one later to flex. You don't do it on the moment. You don't post the story. Whenever you're skipping anything, you fly under the radar as little as possible. I think this is the number one thing I learned in college, Benny. Because if you if, if if your parents know your class schedule and say you post on, like, a, like a Snapchat or, like, an sure, IG story sure, that you're sure. at, like, a bar for, like, brunch when you're supposed to be in... 11 a.m. philosophy, they're not going to look too kindly on that. So you got to fill me in as a guy my age. How, how many parents out there have like burner social media accounts to just like check in on their kids? And should I make one? Oh, you should 100% make a social media <laughs> to stalk your kids. Um, now, that being said, it was awful when you're really going through like the struggle yourself. Luckily, my mom didn't get on like well, Snapchat was also invented my fresh freshman year of college, so you know you, you get like a like a couple year grace period. But by the time <laughs> I, I was a senior, I was off Snapchat and kind of moving things to Instagram. By the time the rest of the world finally caught up, but back to Dion Waiters, 
This incident with waiters proves two things to me. Number one, Dion has never seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nah. Because if he had, he knows nah. how to circumvent the system. Classic, classic. And number two, he doesn't really care about money. He's already been fined $1.4 million this season. Yeah. And Benny, the guy only makes $12 million a year. So there is a chance that we could see a guy get fined more than he makes in a year. Which, you know, that kind of seems like the struggle for all of us. But I digress. So Dion... You can fuck up your season, but man, don't fuck up your future finances because the invites to go on these boats disappear when you don't have the means and the Miami Heat name behind you. I'm going to call it now. Deion Waiters is done in the NBA. Yeah. This is it. Like, like he, he got this contract. He played a pretty good season for the Heat when they had nobody and he was the only scoring option. And a guy's able to put the ball on the floor and get to the rim. Like, he's always had that skill. But with his contract and this background now, I don't think there's a team in the league who's going to go anywhere near it. And the Heat have been actively trying to change their culture. I mean, they traded Whiteside. Yeah. They let go of James Johnson. They're trying to you know, not let go of James Johnson, but he's still you know, just sitting there not being used. And, and I don't think they're going to stand for this. And I think he's probably the highest uh, percentage of a uh, stretch stretch contract candidate that we have in the uh in the nba right now i do give him the one thing i want to talk about is one of the reasons he's in so much trouble right is because he ate that weed edible on the plane and had a panic attack yeah. <laughs> um, which, which i think we brought up on the pod before yeah, which i think should break up a larger thing here it's something i've thought about i'm not someone who has been uh, uh remiss from marijuana through the years like you know i've had my runs let's say and i've dealt with some edibles in my time that were tough to deal with monsters you know what i mean things that can really get in your head and things that and i always imagine i'm like if you legalize weed just flatly legalize it and you give like an 18 year old who's never smoked never taken an edible one of these like high milligram things like that's a fucking panic attack waiting to happen Mm. every time and it even happened to me i have a funny story about this so one time i'm in la and this is like right when the heart of things are going good we got flown out there. We were put up in uh, the Standard, okay. in, oh, wow. in you know, right on Hollywood. I mean, this place is so fucking tacky. They literally had a woman in a in like an aquarium behind the desk where you checked in. She's just hanging out back there, like like on her phone and shit. And she was probably sag after too, right? She got the health <laughs> probably insurance. Probably was. Yeah, yeah. She probably got the insurance. So we're in this place. I already feel uncomfortable, and I had like not gone near weed for a good six months or so i was in one of these periods and a friend of mine from la was like oh i got these chocolate bars blah 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 and i'm like ah california legal been a while why not and all of a sudden we're in the back i've had a few drinks too always a terrible combination and we're hanging out at like like the hotel pool which is almost like the closest to like stupid almost famous moments like i've had when you're just in these scenarios that you're looking around and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? This is the weirdest (laughs) shit. And Ian Perkins is telling a story and we're back there. And all of a sudden Ian, Ian became two Ians. And, (laughs) and, and there was only one voice, but two visuals, things were trailing around. Apparently in this moment, I just threw a crumpled mess of money onto the table and bailed. No one knew where I went. And I subsequently had gone into a room which I had by myself because we were getting like big time treatment on this trip. 
and I freaked the fuck out, man. I really did. The closest thing I've ever had to like an anxiety panic attack like I've ever had in my life. And the funny thing about it, I'm running through my head. I'm like, you know what's the worst about this? If I took a bad chocolate and I die right now, who's going to care? I'm like, I'm in my early 30s, guy in a rock band, went to Hollywood to play a show and died in a hotel room. What a cliche. (laughs) No one's even going to give a shit. This is going to be third page news. So to Dion Waiter's credit, I've been there, man. (laughs) It's hard. But you got a professional responsibility when you're being paid 12 mil a year. At least do it on like a stretch of time when you got two, three days off and you could just sit in the house and munch. You know what I mean? That's where, that's where Dion, Dion's at fault. This, <laughs> this has been the first installment of Benny Entertainment Consultant. <laughs> in the first five minutes of this, we taught your young musician or athlete how to manage drugs and social media. Hey. Which, I mean, what's... What could be bigger? There are a lot of people that would pay for this as an online webinar. Good money. This is free content. Good money. We should Patreon this shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Benny. First topic to the hardwood we go. The Lakers are flying high this season with a 24-3 record. It's tied for the best with the Milwaukee Bucks. And with this comfortable lead comes speculation that the Lakers will give LeBron a breather at some point in the next few months. And the King, when asked about this over the weekend, said... If I'm hurt, I don't play. If I'm not, I'm playing. Shade. That's what's always been my motto. Hypocrisy notwithstanding here, (laughs) is this a shot at Kawhi and the Clippers? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. This is where LeBron, like, should get some credit for, like, the media-savvy genius he is and the kinds of things he just, like, tosses into the ether. None of them are a mistake. You know what I mean? And that's LeBron... I don't feel like anything comes out of his mouth without like like a media plan being put together like two days before. I really believe that. But what I'm seeing is kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, is there are not two schools that seem to be forming the NBA right now. There seems to be like the LeBron camp with his young Padawan Giannis. You know what I mean? These guys who are like, no, 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 basketball all day, mm. every day, nothing else. My team, like, like ride or die for this, you know? Meanwhile, they both have deals with either Disney Plus or some distribution outlet for movies. Sure, sure, sure. Side note. (laughs) Side note. And then there seems to be the other side. You got like the Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid school, which was probably brought by the the dark master Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan, who began, you know, sort of invented this uh, at least public load management process. You know, at least prior to them, it had been private. So I do think we're seeing this kind of old school versus new school thing starting to dissect inside of the nba but the um one thing to consider especially with guys like lebron is someone like curry or Kawhi leonard have have the types of nagging career long injuries that will never go away they're they're like um pain management they're they're injuries that need to be managed consistently it's not something that that went wrong and healed so and lebron has never had that miraculously in all of his years of playing the guy's just a beast and so some of, I think, the, the notion he gets to take on this is based on his personal good fortune. I remember a Larry Hughes quote from, from the Knots <laughs> where they, uh, they asked Larry Hughes uh, about LeBron having a, uh, an arm injury, like something to his bicep or shoulder, and Larry Hughes just laughed, apparently, and they're like, why are you laughing? He's like, have you ever seen LeBron's shoulders? They look like my thighs. <laughs> he's like, he's going to be fine. <laughs> 
So I do think uh, LeBron is in a unique position to throw that kind of shade, but I certainly think it was shade. Listen, he can throw shade all he wants, but, you know, just like trying to claim that he invented the phrase Taco Tuesday, LeBron you hate that in a world <laughs> where he can just invent his own revisionist history, yeah. and we have to follow by. He's probably not even calling the new Space Jam Space Jam 2. He's just like, Space Jam, period. Yeah. But why do you hate that? This is where, like, LeBron is just... Have you ever seen a player control his own, like, narrative and business and brand and situation, like, more hands-on than LeBron because has during his career? Because he wants to be a creator and he's stealing other people's IP. Uh, yeah, but Come that's... Up with your own shit, but man. But someone else is gonna. That's the thing. I think this is where... People on the other side have a little revisionist history. You don't think Space Jam's going to get remade by someone else you've never fucking heard of who has a gajillion dollars? He's just that now, and he just wants to be it. I mean, look at the case with his son. You know, Bronny James is banned from doing interviews. Mm. He's, he's, he's rescinded from the public, and the only stream of information I can get out about him is controlled by his <laughs> father. Very, uh... Um, ball ish No, I'm just kidding. I mean, in a way, like, he's he's... Essentially, and, and I would like to blame the guy, but when you think about it, someone is going to take the narrative, and someone is going to make money, and he knows that better than anyone. So, you know, if he can go ground up and being like, I'm going to control this narrative, we're going to own the money that comes in, we're going to take care of his career the way we want to, I don't hate that, man. Listen, I get it. He sees his career coming to an end, but let's not <laughs> pretend that LeBron didn't take time on a cold night in Utah in 2018 sure. on the tail end of a back-to-back. Sure. So, LeBron, I get it. I Like, I do get it. But, man, that's always been my motto. Man, tell the fans in Cleveland that. <laughs> tell that little kid in Utah that came out to see Cavs versus the Jazz. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to load manage tonight. Man, that is so easy when people live in big markets. But yeah. people used to load manage against the Bucks all the time. Man, I've covered some of those games. LeBron, you weren't out there, man. You, All were, right. All you right. were somewhere else. That's true. I could see it. I could see it. I see your angle. Hold on. I see your angle on the whole thing. You're trying to get on the shop. You always think I got <laughs> something going on. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not sly like that, man. I'm not. I'm all emotion, Denny. There's, none of it is calculated. <laughs> Next topic. Benny on Sunday, December 15th. That marked the first day that free agents from the summer that signed or were dealt to a team are eligible to be traded. Some big names floated out in this market. Chris Paul, Kevin Love, DeMar DeRozan. Benny, what teams do you think will make a move in the next couple weeks? It's my favorite time of the year. I love this stuff. It's so much fun. I think you're going to see the most activity um, from the West, obviously, but I think one of the biggest things is going to be who from that bottom tier of teams from the west decides to become sellers like are the thunder the spurs and the wolves deciding to be sellers and giving up on this season and none of us know that at this point they're all on the playoff hunt they could all pretty easily get into six seven and eight seeds if all goes well and they could be buyers to to do the same thing but i have a a feeling and then the word is coming out that the thunder regardless of their record are most certainly sellers which means paul Gallinari and Adams all on the table. Obviously, all people who can move the needle for, for franchise teams. 
Wolves, he got Covington, which is $24 million over the next two years. Classic 3 and D guy. He's almost like, you know, some younger version of, of what people want out of Andre Iguodala right now. And he could really make, make a big difference for a team like Houston or if somehow the Clippers could, could pull off something like that for him. DeRozan, interesting one, averaging 21 points a game on 51% shooting, even though he doesn't shoot threes. Um, he could be incredibly useful to a lot of teams. And then Kevin Love, the big one, but four-year, $120 million salary really limits his, uh, his options as to where he can go. Um, everything right now is alluding to the Blazers being a sort of um, optimal fit for him game-wise, especially if, if Whiteside leaves as part of that deal, and also somewhere he is very willing to go since he is a a native Oregonian, I believe. And they have Whiteside with $27 million, Nurkic coming back, and Bazemore at $20 million. So I think Portland has all the assets to get something done. So there's a, a bunch of ways and a bunch of guys that, that could go and move the needle. I think out east, you got the Hawks with $60 million in expiring contracts between Parsons, Turner, and Crabb. Uh, I think the Hawks, along with most analysts and themselves, thought they were going to be better than they are this year. That Collins suspension was kind of huge and set them so far back. I can imagine that they're just gearing up for next season again. And then I think the Aaron Gordon experiment may be over in Orlando. It's literally year six for him. He's never really become the player they wanted. He's not really fitting the, the system they put in place there now. He's an expensive contract, $34 million over two years. I have a weird feeling about him. I don't know why Aaron Gordon just feels like a Rick Carlisle guy to me. And I, I, think, I think a Dallas move might happen there. So I think those are most of the, the major players besides for Iguodala that are in play. Memphis will most certainly not buy Iguodala out, and they're going to wait for a trade package, which they should. But um, now in reality, and this is a question for you too, aside from Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, Sixers, and maybe tossing a a Nuggets or a Boston as a as an outside chance. Like, do any teams outside of that six, because of how good the Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, like, look, is anyone really going all in besides for them? All in, but in, like, a different way. I could see a situation where the Warriors try to deal D'Angelo Russell. Mm-hmm. They're already over the cap. They're so far into the luxury tax. Yeah that they can't even bring in these G League guys because they, they have to worry about back and forth in two ways. And I know we've talked about this on the podcast. And there's, there, there's odd teams that have gone all in. Like the Trailblazers, yeah, they're, they're $13 million into, like, and a part of that was probably Hassan Whiteside. But a interesting scenario and a, a trade that I think would be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where J.J. Redick ends up because Pelicans not working out. At the time of recording this, they've, they've lost 12 straight. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if he could end up on a team like Toronto. Toronto has a favorable cap situation, and they really have, have an opportunity to win again. These windows are very small, but they've got a young team as well. The Heat are a team yeah. that is they've, they've outperformed people's expectations sure. of them. Uh, they got a lot going on there, but... If the Pelicans and the Heat can figure out a deal without David Griffin asking for a lot, because if if they're going to give up J.J. Redick, because by giving up J.J. Redick, you're saying, all right, this season's done. Sure. And 
as you've heard every, each and every week in the Don't Fuck This Up, J.J. Reddick's made the playoffs every single year of his career. Yeah. So a team like the Heat that could potentially be top four, the end of the season should be top four, or a team like Toronto that can compete in the East, I think that's what we're looking at. I don't think that there's space for Reddick to move back to Philadelphia. Uh, just looking no. at F- the Philly, Freddy's, yeah. yeah, they're pretty locked down. They've got they're, they're two million dollars away yeah. from Philly. Can't do much from the luxury tax. Philly can't do much. Boston can't do much unless you know they tried to trade one of those yeah. big pieces. They really don't have the uh, the assets to make that kind of move. I don't think. All right, Benny, we've reached a halfway point of the podcast, which means it's time for our dollar slice take of the week. <laughs> Well, I just uh, visited Buffalo this weekend. Oh, yeah. How how were the shows up there? Wonderful experience. Played the uh, curated Tid the Season, Every Time I Dies <laughs> uh, uh, festival curated up in Buffalo. Played with a lot of great bands, uh, Against Me, Every Time I Die, Terror, uh, the, the Damn Things, the super group. Um, yeah, it was a great time. Saw some old friends. And as I'm driving in... I don't know what it is about the word sabers that's always made me want to say sabras, <laughs> just something the way it works. And then I thought of the great combination, cross, what do they call it in the business world? Cross-pollination? Pollination, that's something right. Something like that? Just like bees. <laughs> yeah, cross-pollination. And I was like, you know what? Sabra hummus. It's delicious. Yeah. Big company. Why don't they get involved with the Buffalo Sabres and call them the Buffalo Sabras? Bring a little multiculturalism to Buffalo and uh, and maybe hand out those little those little carrot snack packs when you uh, <laughs> when you walk into the stadium, the Buffalo Sabras. We are a couple path stops away from one of the most gross team name branding opportunities in the New York Red Bulls. And that hasn't exactly led to championships. So I think when you sell out to the sports gods, you also sell out your championship aspirations as well. So yeah, but they're called get- they're like a bank right now. It's like it's like <laughs> Key West Bank Arena or something. Who do, I mean You can name the arena, and this isn't my Dallas Slice take. This is just what I, I feel yeah. from the heart. You can name the arena after a company, but the moment the company becomes your team name, nah man, get out of here. I'll tell you, man, I'm way more into hummus than I am credit unions, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Benny, my Dallas Slice take of the week is so we're in the holiday season and people like the festive nature, you know, you got the Christmas lights, you got the displays of all the different holidays going on. And I got to thinking, why does this just have to be six weeks a year? Oh. Why can't we have a theme for e- a and, and a buildup for every part of the year? So you have this for Christmas. And why can't we, you know, like the buildup in the spring to Memorial Day weekend? There has to be some, and I, I think what really drives this is retail and Hallmark. So we need like, okay, I, I can't say let's repurpose Memorial Day because that's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Do you hate this country? But we need some sort of like commercial tie-in to the beginning of summer holiday. <laughs> So that we can have the build-up, you put up your Memorial Day lights, you build, like you get like a fucking Beach Boys song that is like your like Perry Como right. situation. So maybe not every season, but Christmas season, summer season. What do you think? Uh, I think you're explaining exactly what already happens to me. Yeah, I feel like I can't go two weeks without having some corporate 
holiday with everything I'm supposed to buy and do involved, I, I feel like I can't fucking breathe without one of these hitting me in the face. Like, like, why does my mother-in-law have like eight different boxes of tchotchke for different seasons <laughs> and decorates her house each time if this hasn't already been a thing? I actually, I may go the quarter quarter slice take here and be like we need less i you know what i like i like lights yeah and i like people being nice to each other well, that's more so so if we can somehow manage those two things while keeping hallmark and the uh padding the bonuses of the people <laughs> who are just trying to sell me more shit out of it then then i'm for it all right benny we've reached the bottom half of the podcast which means we go to the top of the fold In a recent article in the New York Times, shed light on the dirty business of fast fashion. Retailer Fashion Nova, who is known for being tagged in every dreadfully unoriginal caption by Instagram models, has a secret to their success. The Federal Labor Department has found that many Fashion Nova garments are stitched together by a workforce in the United States that is paid illegally low wages. And these sweatshops aren't in foreign countries, but they're right here in Los Angeles, and probably in many other cities around the country. Combine this with the fact that companies like Fashion Nova see what designers put into their fashion shows all over the world, like the high-end, the, the ones that you and I can't afford, and they rip it off within days and sell it at cost. Benny, what level of morality should we have to where our clothes come from? Well, I mean, I think with this, I mean, you're dealing with a major business, so... so Right off the bat, you have to consider the fact that they're working on a business ethics model and not a civics model. Right. I mean, that's just sadly the landscape we live in as far as like living in a giant capitalist society. And there's only so much of that you can trim, you know, that that's part of it. And to this Fashion Nova's credit, they had a good business plan at first. They used Instagram to, to put themselves out there. They took, you know, young influencers and musicians and things like that. And branded them with their brand and made it and made it bigger. And you know, I'm not trying to fuck with someone for having a good idea and making some money off it like that. I really have no problem with it. But these people, and the fact that you should hold them accountable for what's going on, you should 100% hold them accountable for what's going on. The only power we have as consumers is where we want to put our money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like I think the time is over that we should expect these companies to, to operate in a certain way. I almost expect them to operate in the way they're operating. Yeah. The issue with me is there is no checks and balance anymore. And these people can operate with absolute uh, immunity while they're going through it. So I noticed two things looking into this story. They're being sued time and time again for, for back wages from people. They didn't pay the people making the clothes, which I don't know. These people are making a shit ton of money, and the types of money they're paying people to make their clothes, it's just absolutely absurd. You can't pay them a living wage, just off the bat. Yeah. Now, I'm looking, at it says, the United States Labor Department, from 2016 to right now, uh, credited nearly $4 million in unpaid back wages. Now, what's interesting is they found a loophole, as they always do. The company does not deal directly with factories. Instead, it places bulk orders with companies that design the clothes, then ship the fabric to separately owned sewing contractors where workers stitch the clothes together and stick Fashion Nova's label on them. So they found these, you know, middle tier companies who take the order, 
and then bring it to the factories. Now, the reason they do this is because under federal law, brands cannot be penalized for wage theft in factories if they can credibly claim that they did not know their clothes were made by workers paid illegally low wages. So the labor department collected millions of dollars in back wages and penalties from Los Angeles garment businesses, but has not fined a retailer. So <laughs> it's right there. Yeah. Like literally the law is absolutely set up for them to do exactly what they're doing. And that's where like there needs to be things in place to make sure motherfuckers can't do this stuff. Yeah. And that, that's where I'm at. Like, and it's almost like, uh, it's like James Harden, right? Yeah. James Harden has found a way to take the rules that were in place for him and maximize himself inside of it. You know what I mean? Like, like just because you can take a step in any direction on a basketball floor, he's like, oh, I don't care. I'll step sideways, backwards, this way, this way, this way to try and get the foul. And I'm going to get fouled. And it's legal. You might not like it but I'm still going to do it and I'm going to fucking score nearly 40 points a game. And it's not going to change until the NBA changes the rules. So that's why I don't really blame these companies. Their, their moral standard is the bottom line. And if we're waiting for them to, to have a morally ambiguous look on that standard, then we're going to be fucking holding our breath and waiting forever. And that's why, to me, a company that makes it so clear that they will fuck about anything over profits subsequently doesn't deserve my money or the people I know's money. And that's the only power I have, right? Just for legal purposes, Benny did not just compare James Harden to sweatshops. I just <laughs> need to make this perfectly clear. He said it's like a high level of production. I Yo, just need come to... at me, beard. Come at me, beard. <laughs> I think see, I think now, me Harden. LeBron James, he would have gotten this whole podcast. Oh, we'd be that. done. We'd have cease and desist before we even finish recording. Would be on the door, and, and he just leaves a bronze stamp. It would be over. A bronze drone comes and just drops a cease and desist here. It's happening. You touched and did a great job touching on the labor part of this, but what about the clear just ripping off? Of these designers who mm. put years sometimes into making these pieces, sure. get it on a, a a runway only to have it like in stores in these opposite stores mm -hmm. like this. And at some point, a lot of people, myself included, we've shopped at H and M. The idea of looking good cheap, I think everybody wants to save money where they can, but it just goes to show that. Cutting corners, it always comes at some sort of cost. Yeah, to somebody else, and 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 that's not how we should be able to do things. But on the other hand, it's like it's kind of a vicious cycle because people that work for these massive corporations, a lot of them are living on poor wages, but they want to dress like they make more than they do, sure. and so they buy companies from companies like H and M, like Fashion Nova. And it just puts money in their pocket so that they can pay their workers less than they're worth as well. Sure. And there's two things that I want to bring up on that. I mean, you basically brought up a larger thing with anything creative, which yeah. is where and when does like your intellectual property get to be stolen? Mm. And I mean, with anything, with fashion, art, and music, you see it all the time. I mean, if one thing becomes successful, everybody clamors to try to do the 
cheapest and quickest version of that thing next to get all the fucking trail down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like some bizarre cultural trickle down economics that mm-hmm. happen. Yeah. So I think, uh, again, like there, there are not a lot of creative property laws that, that really like guarantee that at least you will be paid on the images that you create or the music you make. That's part of this problem. Um, and then my wife, who is actually in the fashion industry, uh, had brought up something else to me, which is basically if you're getting clothes that look like that at that cost, she says the stuff you're getting is literally fucking toxic. Like, like it means you are getting the cheapest material from the worst places mm. that are sprayed and treated and and basically like pounded with these like pretty insane chemicals just to keep their color, to keep their shade, to keep their flatness, whatever they have to do to this stuff. And um, it's another thing that these companies who don't really have anyone to answer to can can just keep doing without us knowing. And it, it is dangerous. Final story, Benny. In an Instagram post, Red Hot Chili Peppers announced that they are parting ways with their guitarist, Josh Killinghoffer, to bring back John Frusciante. Benny, they went on this whole diatribe about what a beautiful musician Josh is. Benny, in your experience, what is the biggest reason for member change in a band? And your overall take on this story. Well, this one's interesting. The reason everyone's so excited is because John Frusciante is like, an exceptional guitar player. Mm. Like, it's not like, oh, that guy's pretty good. He's this, he's this. He's he's really fucking good. And he's not only a very skilled player, he's also a beautiful writer. He's one of those people who can manage to write things that you've just never heard before. He's got a super distinct style. He's very skilled. So you cannot fuck with the guy as far as his skill goes. And even uh, Flea, in a 2004 book about the Chili Peppers... It said that he's a really talented and knowledgeable musician. Frusciante knows all the shit I don't know. (laughs) I basically know nothing about music theory, and he's studied it to death inside and out. He's a very disciplined musician. All he cares about are his guitar and his cigarettes. So there's always a part of me when I hear about a guy like that that's, like, wildly in love. Because this is kind of that, like, beautiful, romantic narrative about musicians that I think people who have to carry real jobs and shit like here and are like wow if only i could have that skill then i could have like this this life like john frusciante had or something the one thing i want to bring up here is that being in a band like this somebody somebody in this band is doing the fucking work right like to keep the chili peppers what it's been for all these years took somebody from that band a lot of work and a lot of discipline, and a lot of thought, and probably a lot of, like, shit swallowing and dealing with things like you don't want to deal with, like press and labels and management and all these things that come along with it. So, in a way, John Frusciante is, like, his style about all of this is a little remiss to me in the way that... So I saw a video, sorry to to, to make a jagged point here, but I saw a video of them playing on SNL during their their first run when they were successful. And the guy was fucked up, man. He was on heroin. He was doing something. He was tucked in a corner. He was uh, playing the wrong guitar parts. He was obviously either so depressed or wasted that he couldn't be engaged with it or so mentally out of it that he couldn't be engaged with it. And I saw a video like that, and I'm like, you know what? 
if the chili peppers had stuck with this guy through all those years, chili peppers don't happen. You know what I mean? Like they could have had the the way of like following that guy down rather than those other guys being like, you know what? Like we're the fucking chili peppers. We'll get someone else. We're going to keep going. We'll run the ship. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll do this. So I think he kind of had a little bit of a, a an in and out situation because of what a wild and creative guy he was or just the type of guy who doesn't know how to work consistently at something for that long. And in a way, I feel like the Chili Peppers are like the steady parents with jobs who like mow the lawn, pay the bills, balance the checkbook, get the, the you know, the dryer duct cleaned out once a year, like all the real stupid responsible shit you have to do. And John Frusciante is just like the stepbrother who like gets to come back and enjoy it whenever he wants. He just like strumbles back in, but he's so like funny and talented and everybody wants him around that, that he gets to do it. And he gets to live his life with a certain amount of selfishness because of how talented he was. Like if his guitar playing wasn't shit, he's not allowed to do all this. He would have been lost in 1992 and never seen again. So as much as I'm happy this guy is back because of the music that I'm going to get to hear, I'm a little, a little offended by people who just like decide to pop in and out of their lives like this. When you said he's like the stepchild, I, I just imagine Philippe being like, did you touch my drum set? He's like, no. He's like, just put a nutsack all over the drum set. I'll ask Step Bros. I, I imagine. No, I was watching Cops. <laughs> all right, Benny. Running out of real estate, running out of room on this week's show. It is time for our token meme of the week. You done messed up, A.A. Ross. Hey, hey, hey. The whole summer has been an ongoing meme video. Uh, <laughs> and let's get it going. This week, I got Brody Van Wagenen, Mr. Big Shot Mets, new general manager, talked all this shit last year. And within about two weeks, you watched Zach Wheeler get a lovely contract from the Phillies, Didi Gregorius go to the Phillies, the Braves juice up their roster, the Nats bring back Strasburg, all this stuff. And what do the Mets do? They sign Rick Porcello and Michael Waka to one-year deals, just taking flyers on these pitchers. And then about two days later, Madison Bumgarner gets a five-year, $85 million contract, which essentially is the same money that they paid for Porcello and Waka, while just skipping out on one of the better postseason pitchers of the last, like, 10 to 12 years. Um, So if I find out anything other than Madison Bumgarner hates New York and didn't want to deal with the subway in Randy Johnson style, then, then the Mets deserve... Everything they get by the middle of next year when, when Wagonin is the token meme on the chopping block. My token meme of the week is Mike Francesa. <sighs> Mikey. So, Benny, a little backstory on this one, and, and I'll explain why I chose Mike Francesa. I went to go see Uncut Gems on Saturday. I wish you were holding a, a warm Diet Pepsi right now. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, Monzo. Monzo, another Diet Coke, please. No, I'm just I know Monzo. I, I used to work with him. That's serious. I go to see Uncut Gems, okay? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what to expect. Sure. I know gambling. I know Kevin Garnett. I know the weekend is in it for two seconds. <laughs> and what I see from Mike Francesa is he is playing a bookie, and I think the bookie's name is, like, Jerry. Okay. And... He, 
the first scene you see him, he it's Sandler and him at a table, and it's that thing you saw in the trailer. He's like, well, I think that's the stupidest fucking bet I've ever heard in my life. And I'm just like, oh, man. There are so many other actors that could play a bookie. And I get, like, the Softy brothers, like, they are New Yorkers. They love the Knicks. They love Francesa, all that stuff. But... And I'm more making him my token meme so I can kind of talk about this movie a little bit to give me an excuse to do that. It's one thing to have Francesa in your movie, right? It's another thing to put his name in the opening sequence. Right, right, right. It's like Adam Sandler, Adina Menzel, Mike Francesa. (laughs) Like, get the fuck out of here. This guy's doing a half hour of of radio a day. He's, He's essentially... Losing the ratings battle in yeah, New York sure, now, yeah. and now he's gonna be a movie star. I listen. I love Mike and the Mad Dog. Clearly, intern for Chris at Sirius did yeah. all all the stuff. Big reason why Sports Talk Radio in this area even of course, exists. Of course, but I was interested what this performance was going to be, and it's exactly what you think. Ah. It is. It is essentially and the awake version of the Francesca falling asleep app, and he was like, that's the stupidest fucking bed I've ever... It's like, get out of here. There are so... Listen, a so, lot of people so, gave... Like, a couple weeks ago, I gave the Irishman a lot of flack for being too long. I talked about De Niro. I want to go back and watch the Irishman after seeing Mike Francesca and Uncut Gems. Yeah, my might look real good now. <laughs> so, all right. So, that being said, who's the perfect... New York bookie that should have been cast in Uncut Gems. You know who you put in this movie? Oh, my gosh. You got it. What is it? You put... Eureka. How are Jesus and Mero not in this movie? Oh, they good connect. point. I like that. We should have, they should have head uptown. They should yeah, have went uptown. Yeah. You head up to the BX. You get these guys. You get it in, yeah. in, in the Knicks gear. They're more than happy to take somebody's money. Should have gotten the Bodega money. Boys. Exactly. They're more the than Bodega happy to boys. take someone's money yeah. uh, about losing to the Sixers or the I like Celtics. It. I like it. So... I'm rocking with the hive on this one, but for the overall theme of the token meme, Mike Francesa, I I want to tweet out every every bad take on, on Twitter, every lukewarm thing. I just want to tweet out a gif of Mike Francesa saying that's the stupidest fucking bet I've ever heard in my life. Because that is essentially Twitter in 2019. Sometime in 2004 was the last time I could listen to Francesa talk about the ponies. (laughs) (laughs) I loved, okay, just a quick side note for all of this. I've talked to Francesa once in my life. Yeah. It was, do you remember when the 30 for 30 for Mike and the Mad Dog came out? Of course. I was all over it. The day after, I was working on Chris's show. And he called in. He called in. It was uh, scheduled. He, he called in. I will never forget this. Most people are humbled. They call up and being like, like, hey, this is like like first name, last name, yada, yada. yada. Like, like when I talked to Ryan on, on our show yesterday, he's like, hey, it's Ryan Rucco. Sure. Francesca calls in early, by the way. Always a consummate professional, this guy. He yeah. is super professional. Okay. Okay. Calls in for the spot early. He's like, it's Francesca. That's it. That's it. I'm like, oh, hey, Mike, thank you, thank you, thank you. We'll, we'll get you on soon. We're, we're excited for this fight. He's like, okay. Hangs up. <laughs> That's it. And then... Ready to go. Here's, here, here's the ultimate flex. Here's how you know when you call in for these interviews what the person really thinks of himself. When they're done with the spot, they're like, oh, okay, thanks, Chris. Talk to you later. And they hang up before you can get to, to, right. to thank them, before the producer... 
That's the ultimate flex. So, I know it. I've been in that situation. I want you to know something, Denny. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, I just want to bring this whole thing full circle. When Benny called in for his interview on NBA Insiders in August, he did that to me. And look, a couple months later, we're doing a podcast together. <laughs> so dreams do come true. No, I'm just kidding. Big time, big time. Plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at vtunapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. At the Tune Up HQ, HQ for headquarters, because it's your one-stop shop for everything. The Tune Up. You can follow him on Twitter at Benny Horowitz One. Number one in your mind. Number one in your hearts. Number one on Twitter. I'm at Denny underscore Gallagher. Benny, any final thoughts? Enjoy your week, everyone, and everybody love everybody. This has been the Tune Up. <laughs>